Two of the very best operators. Wow. This has been coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. Wow. How good is that? I love it. Well done. It's a bit different. It is a bit different. A new intro song to start parked up your favourite podcast. My name is Grant Rowley. I'm joined by Tony Delberto, and for many, many, many weeks, he's been asking me to change the intro music. He thought that the original one was uh, a, bit, a bit too um, adult, adult entertainment sounding thing, but... Um, <laughs> Now uh, we've gone for a real racy theme, and uh, we've got Crompo uh, and Scafey and how uh, much did you have to pay those Tim boys Schenken. to actually say all that? Don't don't tell them that that's uh, I've used their voice. Well, there you have it. So parked up episode number nineteen, powered by the race fuels. We are powered by the race fuels. It is fantastic that we've got the support of the race fuels, the one and only race fuels. They, of course, help you go motor racing at your circuit, whether you're at the top level or whether you're in the grassroots. They are there to ensure that you've got all of the fuels to go racing. It's a pretty simple concept, isn't it? Take fuel to the track. Take fuel to the racetrack and the competitors just bring their race cars and together we go car racing. Exactly. Perfect. They have to, and tyres, I guess, is the, that's the other thing. Yeah, but then you've got, you know, Yokohama or Michelin or whoever. You've got options. Dunlop. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, perfect. All well, right. there are well, fuel options. There are other ways to get your fuel, but what? You, there's no better way than, you know, not having to fill up your jerry can or any oh, of that just garbage. just so much easier. You know that the guys at Race Fuels will have the very best of the product yep. uh, in their you tanks have contaminated there. fuel or anything like that, no risk or, you know, wondering whether the fuel from the Bowser at Shell is better than BP or anything like that. It's just a fantastic product. So that's a winner, man. Talking about a fantastic product, we have an excellent podcast coming up today, Tony Can D. it top last week's, though? I don't think it can. We man, actually had massive. record numbers. Record numbers. It was massive. It was off the charts. Was it? Uh, so we ran a uh, – our social promo uh, was Jess Dane and Paul Morris, the two people we spoke to. And I dressed them up in, um, and we called it Beauty and the, the Dude, Dude. Yeah. Uh, using Beauty and the Beast's um, Disney I don't think movie it was that. poster. I don't you, think that's You don't what think it was my ratings. movie poster that nah, got it? Nah, like it was very good. I think it come down to the guests. Yeah, guess or Jess, did you say? Probably just Jess, yeah. Right. I said guess, but yeah, maybe just Jess. Right, yeah. Oh, actually, the dude is always quite popular. You know, people love his online TV show that he does with Russell Ingle. They get huge numbers mm. for that. If we could get numbers like that. Wow. I liked how he shared it. That was good of him. Yes. Yeah. I thought everyone should share it, Tony. Well, everyone. they should, but yeah. Please. Please. We need everyone to share. Yes. Jump on the parked up podcast facebook page that's where you'll find links to all of our podcasts plus you also find uh, some other bits and pieces of content that we run through the week and we ask for your feedback and we want you to get involved so go and check that out and we've got some shout outs to make from people who have uh, contributed and also some giveaways and we'll get to that really soon but tony d in this episode of parked up powered by the race fuels we're going to speak to Two journalists, one operating in the TV field, one operating 
in the, uh, well, used to do newspapers. Now he does online motorsport website coverage. We're going to speak to Mark Beretta, the sports host for Seven's Sunrise Breakfast Show. Uh, and he's also coming back to the motorsport fold with Seven for the ARG and Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championships, uh, which we're all looking forward to, if we can ever get the thing off the ground. Mm. Damn it. Uh, so we'll talk to Barrett, so he's got a whole bunch of things going on. He's been at the forefront of the news sphere, really, mm. sitting next to the Koshies and those guys who... Um, you know, tell us yeah, what's happening the news, yeah. every morning. And I'm sure his world has been tipped upside down with the COVID-19 situation. We're also going to speak to Paul Gover. He's uh, been involved in the racing game for a long, long, long time. And he is the editor at the moment of a new website called Race.News. So uh, we're going to speak to him and see what that's all about. Mm-hmm. And uh, we might actually grab him very quickly for a little section in the news, which, TD, let's just throw to it now. So not much racing going on this week in the world of motorsport. A bit of a rest after last week, which was just absolutely out of control with supercars and Formula One. Everyone's uh, most have had a week off except for MotoGP. Yamaha's Fabio Quartararo took the win at Jerez. How do you say it? Quartararo? Quartararo. Oh, I don't know. So that's good enough for me. Great. Okay, well... Fabs took the win, um, <laughs> but uh, the one who was making the news, Tony D, was uh, Mark Marquez. Uh, now, he broke his arm last week, yep. patched himself up during the week and jumped back on. What a Is lunatic. he brave or brainless? I think he's a bit of both, and I think you have to be to actually race bikes, you know, period. But it didn't take him long. I think he did eight laps in uh, practice three. And that was enough for him to say, mm, I don't know if uh, my arm's actually ready for this sort of punishment just yet. But man, he's very brave uh, to get back on the bike and to try and keep his championship alive because obviously, you know, there's two races now that he's he's going to lose points to the championship. So that's a real shame. But, uh, you know, hats off to him for actually trying to give it a crack. That was really the big news story of the weekend for myself. I didn't actually get to see the the racing. I, I must admit I'm not a huge MotoGP follower. I can I love it, but uh, when you sort of add into the mix Formula One, IndyCar, all the other categories, it's very hard to keep abreast of what's going on. Yep, and there's a, a whole bunch of other sports as well that have nothing to do with race cars, which can also consume mm. a lot of your time. Um, Okay, so one of the key stories in supercars land is the shape of the supercars calendar. Yep. And during the week, we saw Darwin get confirmed as two two rounds, back-to-back rounds. And then a lot of speculation about Townsville also being back-to-back rounds. Mm. Then Queensland Raceway popped up as a potential and, and add another weekend of Australian Touring Car Racing in the uh, sunshine state before Mm. all the teams eventually have to come back down. So this episode in Parked Up a little later on, we're going to speak to Paul Gover a little bit more in depth about his story, Mm. his new website. But we grabbed PG just for a very quick news chat about what is happening for Queensland Supercars events this year and, and his take on the calendar as a whole. Trying to predict what's going to happen in the calendar at the moment is just about impossible. Everybody you talk to has a different story. 
But as I understand it, Townsville is definitely going ahead as a double header, and QR, despite two days ago being quite likely, is now off the agenda. The way the calendar is evolving this year, it's just about trying to throw, you know, it's like the old pin the tail on the donkey thing, except that the donkey keeps moving and it's going to keep moving. While ever there are restrictions on who can go where between the various states, it's going to be hard to put a calendar together. The other thing is that Supercars has a whole lot of commercial partners and also state government activities. So the Townsville race is promoted by the uh, by the government there. And they obviously want the thing to go ahead because it's a major tourism draw card. It also requires a lot of infrastructure. So they had to commit pretty early to that to actually get the circuit built. And if they're going to have the circuit up, it makes a lot of sense to have two race meetings there. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if that's the way the season goes. Um, obviously, the Bathurst 1000 will be a one weekend standalone as always. But what happens after that? Nobody really knows. If you if you had some understanding of what state governments were going to do with COVID, it would make it a lot easier. But at the moment, nobody really knows. And we'll have more from PG later. Tony D, the calendar is certainly set for two Hidden Valley rounds. Mm. Definitely one Townsville round. What do you reckon from there? To be honest, it's anybody's guess. It's a, totally a moving target. And I think uh, it's almost a journo's delight at the moment. They can basically say whatever they want and you know it could be true it might not be like it's just theories and ideas being thrown out there and i think it just keeps evolving you know they're having to basically roll with the punches and it's good that they've got these strategies in place where they could possibly do these events back to back or different scenarios that uh, will keep the show on the road but i don't think anyone really really knows I think my uh, personal opinion is the Victorian teams are going to have to come back to Victoria at some point, uh, not only to see their families, of course, uh, but to you know reload and you know get freshen up engines or you know new equipment. They're going to have to come back to base at some point. They can't just be a, a travelling circus for the entire year. I mean, maybe they can, but I think it would be a fairly big disadvantage for Victorian teams if they can't come back to base at some point. Because the Queensland teams are, you know, based at home, they're still developing. They're still trying to, you know, make go fast bits. And the Victorian teams are basically just piecing their cars together, repairing them, going racing again. So, you know, you could see maybe a bit of a split in the field when, you know, if some of the Queensland teams can keep developing and going faster, Victorian teams might not uh, be able to keep up with that development. Yeah, and and they're uh, finding halfway homes at the moment. Mm. We saw... Team 18 working out of Rostone Racing's workshop there up on the Gold Coast. Tickford at Dreamworld. Walkinshaw's at Movie World. Kelly's are operating out of some dude's boat shop. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a... Like uh, Erebus at uh, the Norwell Complex as well. There you go. So they'd be hurting, really. Yeah. They can't do what they're, what they're used to. Can you imagine the cost involved in doing this? Seriously. Yeah. Like well, having all these teams on the road... You know, feeding people, entertaining them. It's got to be a huge cost to the teams or supercars or whoever's paying the bill for these teams to be basically accommodated for this whole entire period and who knows how long. Yes, uh, I guess the end goal surely is the Bathurst 1000. They've got to be... These Victorian teams have to come home Mm. to their homes before Bathurst and depending on what the border situations are like to make sure that they're back in New South Wales. Yeah. 
and if that's a quarantine situation or, or whatever, but Bathurst would be the that one date that is highly unlikely to move that they're going to try to keep. So and look for all the race fans, geez, we we hope that they really keep that as well from your sake. Of course oh, you want to sure. go up there and race in the thing. But yeah. you might be in a position where you might have to go to that race yeah. two weeks beforehand and yeah. uh, lock yourself in a hotel room. Yeah, I mean, months ago, thinking about the Bathurst 1000, you think, oh, it's fine. You know, it's it's ages away. All this will have passed, will be, you know, no problem for the Bathurst 1000 for sure. But now it's getting closer and I'm starting to think, well, how are we actually going to manage this? Will I have to go up there before in quarantine? If we do a test day, will I have to go up before, well before in quarantine as well and maybe stay for a month maybe you know all these sort of things are going through your head now and trying to plan and prepare just for this one event and then you throw in tcr events as well during the year and suddenly you might you might be in a similar situation where you're living out of the state for quite a long time so it's not ideal for anybody but we're all trying to make it work to go racing and uh, it's just a really tricky scenario for, for everybody involved and i've got to commend uh supercars for really you know big sacrifice for those teams there's no, there's no doubt about it but they're doing it for a really good cause and they're doing it to keep the sport running yep and we thank them for that because it keeps us entertained it keeps a lot of us in in the game and uh, you yeah. know it allows allows us to keep money coming through the doors yeah. and and keep uh, keep ticking over so um, a, a a massive um, sacrifice by all of the teams, yep. particularly the Victorian teams, to keep the show going, and and we all thank them very much for that. Now, uh, just before we uh, move on to some parked up podcast Facebook st- uh, stuff that we've collected, Tony D, tell us what would you think if the next time you drove a supercar mm. was in practice at <laughs> Bathurst on Thursday or Friday? <laughs> what would you be thinking about that? I just have to get on with it, but uh, it would be a big eye-opener. I mean, we did the Bathurst 1000 last year for the first enduro, um, but we'd had test days, ride days. I'd had TCR races, GT races, in the lead-up, probably 10 races before the Bathurst 1000. My last race was at Bathurst in the GT car there with Adrian Dietz and Cameron Conville. Um, Doesn't that seem like a long time ago? Seems like a lifetime ago. I didn't actually do any laps in the race, so there you go. Uh, so this year, in effect, it could be that I do, you know, my next race is Bathurst in the 1000. The one after might be in TCR if, you know, we can't get going prior to that. So I might just do a whole heap of Bathurst races in a row. But look, it's certainly going to be a little bit daunting. There's some guys that are doing uh, Super 2. They'll have a little bit of a head start, you know, uh, on guys that haven't done anything. But there's a lot of us in the same boat. Um, and look, I've... I don't know how many Bathurst starts I've done now, probably 12, 13 or 14 or something. So I've been around there. And I would have to say that I'd, I am prepared the best I've ever been physically to tackle at the next event, whatever it is. But it's just whether or not you sort of got your eye in going into the biggest race of the year. And I, I liken it to being thrown into the AFL Grand Final and not having any matches prior to that, not even a practice match. Well, good luck with that. I reckon if they <laughs> threw you into an AFL match, you'd get absolutely smashed up. Yeah, I have more chance than Supercar race for sure. This is your 15th Bathurst 15, 1000. 15, is it? Jeez. 15th. Jeez. I don't even look 15. 
Uh, no, well, your height isn't height, 15. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, what do you think of the beard at the moment? A bit scruffy at the moment? A bit. How does it go with the face mask? Does it no, itch and right. scratch? No, 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 it's fine. It's it's fine. You don't even realise that I've um, sort of grown a bit of a beard because you don't never actually get to see it. And it's only because I'm being a super tight ass and not buying uh, razors at the moment. Right. Okay. Mate. Well, that sounds unlike you being a tight ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, in actual fact, listeners wouldn't actually have any idea that I've got a beard because they can't see me. No. And you and the ladies are very upset that you're not posting enough on your social medias <laughs> as well. It's not very Pensky at the moment. Oh, okay. That's okay. Yeah. I don't have any duties right this second. Okay. Great. Okay. Well, look, let's uh, let's not get too stressed about your facial hair. <laughs> let's get a little bit more stressed about the Parked Up podcast Facebook page. We appreciate a lot of people getting involved. Uh, this week, we asked a question with the lure of giving away one of Race Fuel's famous hats. They get to choose whether it's a black one or a red one. I've actually got no Where's black ones. Where's the black one gone? Yeah, got no. I sent it off to um, uh, did you want black old mate who, okay. who who won last last time. Uh, anyway, this week we asked if you could win one race series or motor racing championship, what would it be? And well, we had some 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 wild answers. So uh, the co-drivers cup. Uh, got a bit of a run, the Piston Cup from uh, <laughs> Lightning McQueen movies. Yep. Uh, that got a run in there. But we picked these three who offered some reasonably sensible answers. Uh, and the first one came from Shane Witt. Indy 500 is simply the largest single-day sporting event in the world. 300 kilometer per hour plus, the whole lap and they're always on the edge. The next one came from Matthew Norris. The F1 World Drivers' Championship. To be able to say you are the best driver in the world and have the trophy to prove it would be pretty cool. And the last one came from our very close and dear personal friend, James Fleming. Clearly the answer would be the 2007 Fujitsu Supercar Series. By far the most prestigious championship with the greatest relevance and integrity we've ever seen. Imagine having triumphed in that one. Ah, oh, he's a bugger, but I absolutely agree with him, without a doubt. The 2007 Fujitsu Series Championship, most prestigious championship going around. Yes. Oh, so many famous people have won that they, that well, title. Well, the the 07 title. Yeah. I, or I, one one person won it. Who was that? I, I don't know. Don't know. <laughs> don't know. Tony D, legendary, the uh, My, Super Two champion of 2007, and what a stressful day it was. That was a stressful day, but we did, you know, bring the championship home in front of some pretty handy steerers. One that we're going to face this year in TCR being the one and only Michael Caruso. Mm. He gave me a good run for my, my money there. But we had Jonathan Webb. There was Dale Wood in there as well, who almost wrecked my whole championship on the Saturday. Thank you, mate. Yeah, was it Andrew, Andrew Thompson? Thompson? Yeah, he yep. was. He was in there. Yep, he he won a couple of rounds there as well. There was Kane Scott from New Zealand. He was. Bloody quick as well. Uh, just trying to think. Jonathan Webb, I think, yeah, was in Webby, there. Yeah, Webby was there. Bathurst champion, mate. Mm-hmm. So, no, it was a good year, that one. And was Steve Owen doing it? No, 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 no. No. Owen Kelly. Owen Kelly. Owen Kelly. Luke Yulden. All these guys sort of popped up. Probably not did the whole, didn't do the whole championship. But, yeah, we put a really good year together that year. And uh, I totally agree, James. Thank you for that one, mate. <laughs> of course, Steve <laughs> Owen wasn't doing it. He was doing the main series with... Marty Brandt's mm. team, which was in conjunction with Rod Nash, and then you edged uh, you edged them all out and, uh, oh, and took took, took that seat over in the main series. I did the enduros that year 
with Steve Owen. That's right. In the Autobahn car. Mm-hmm. And, mate, they just like what they saw, honestly. They mm. just loved it. No, I'm only joking. Didn't it, well, did you get a result that year? We finished fifth Sixth. at Bathurst. Fifth. Fifth at Bathurst. That was the year that Scaifey's in the wall and Brighty's in the wall across yeah. the top when yep. it started to rain. And our car was must have been super soft because it, when it started to rain, Steve just absolutely came alive. And the thing had no straight line speed and he was just shoving it in gaps and making it hard for people and, yeah, ended up getting a really nice result. But I remember in practice I was driving my Walkinshaw Fujitsu car and there's a couple of bumps through the chase and in my car it was easy flat out no problem barely felt them then I hopped in Steve Owen's car which was an ex-Paul Morris car engineered by Oscar Ferranotto who actually owns the the company that supplies the dampers these days to supercars and I went through the same bumps going down uh, through the chase and it literally almost pogo stick stick the car off the circuit and you know, off the track. It was unbelievable the difference in refinement to the, for the dampers. So that was a bit of an eye-opener. And what we were trying to do was actually reskin my car and put the Autobahn livery on that for the 1,000 on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, cool. Well, we uh, thank everyone for their contributions to our Facebook page and keep in touch with it because we'll have more giveaways during the week. Now, Tony... It's time to get into the business end of the podcast. We've uh, gone through the S's and we're on to Conrod Strait. This is the yep. big one. Yep. Flat Stick, Mark Beretta, Network 7's main sports broadcaster. Certainly you see him every morning on the Sunrise Breakfast Show and we're going to grab him for a chat to talk all things COVID, motorsport and whatever else we can think of. Tony D, make it ring. Beauty. And it's great to welcome Channel 7's own Mark Beretta onto Parked Up. Mark, thanks for joining us. Oh, boys, how are you? Great to be talking. Too excited to be on Parked Up, my debut, so a little bit nervous, but we'll have a crack. Uh, we're pretty sure you're going to be okay. You do have some experience in the media world. It's been a, uh, a huge few months for, for the world, uh, and yeah. you've, you've lived at the, at the forefront of it, um, you know, breaking news on the Sunrise program and seeing all that information come through. Just give us a little take on your COVID tales. Yeah, I mean, like, everybody's got a story, but it's it's been, I guess, pretty incredible for us because we've we've sort of watched it and we were we were getting information day by day as it as it happened, and obviously we get a lot of stuff in from around the world, and um, it was just quite remarkable. I mean, the change in our workplace was incredible. We, um, yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of people, particularly in Victoria, are not. Um, getting to the office at all. Everyone's still working from home. But for us, it was immediate. We, we shut down. We had no more guests in studio, which is unprecedented. That's never happened before. So, you know, normally we'd have maybe 10 guests come through. So all of a sudden, no one came was coming through. We switched over to the Skype and Zoom world. So all of our interviews were over Skype or Zoom. And uh, no non-essential staff in the building. There, there was probably for us the biggest fear in television was having your studio locked down, you know, having your studio, uh, having to be closed and sanitised and out of action because for us that that's where everything comes from. Um, you know, our control rooms are there, our studios are there. So if we lose that facility, we're in a, in a bit of strife. So, um, But it was just, just remarkable. And obviously the impact on the, the sports calendar was incredible. My... My first few weeks at work of, of this whole thing were really just 
day after day of updating, you know, this is the AFL's plan, this is the NRL's plan. They think they'll resume here, but they don't know. They think they'll start there, but no one knows for sure. And this is what supercars are doing and this is what TCR is doing. And, you know, and just all speculation really about what might have might have been happening, but not really based on anything concrete. So, you know, it's, it's been the most amazing year and I don't think anyone could have ever predicted what's what's gone on and, and the impact on the sporting world. I mean, how's we're stepping into what, 20 days in a row of AFL matches, uh, none of them in Victoria. I mean, the world has gone upside down. Yeah, it is uh, It is crazy. But a great time to be a sports journal, though, because you can pretty much just th- say anything, print anything, publish anything, and it's it's probably not wrong. Like, there's a fair chance <laughs> that it was thought of or, or it was on the table at some point. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it, look, everything's – I'm trying to think of the wildest thing I've, I've heard through all of that, but – I'd say just about everything. And, you know, there were, there were no silly ideas there for a while. I mean, you know, the, the shifting of, of grand finals to Perth and, and possibly Brisbane, possibly Sydney. They're kidding um, themselves there. They're kidding themselves well, if they think that's going to happen. Well, let's, let's just wait and see. <laughs> but, Look, um, you know, I mean, the, the world has just – it's changed so much, you know. And um, I don't know. I, I guess hopefully we're, we're going to get to a point where we, we – we get some sort of breakthrough and we, we revert to some sort of normal life. But gosh, well, we appreciate it after this. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, just uh, just quickly on New South Wales and, and the rest of the country's take on what's happening in Victoria at the moment. Tony and I are stuck down here in Victoria. <laughs> lots of illness, uh, lots of illness everywhere. What, what's the rest of the country um What's, what's their take on what Melbourne is facing? Do yeah. they actually care or are they just happy that they've got oh. a, a level of normality about their lives? No, I guarantee everybody cares at the moment. I, I think that's the good thing about this country. You know, we, we might have state rivalries from time to time in different things, but, you know, at, at the moment there's, there's very much a feeling that, yes, that's happening in Victoria, but, gee, that, that could have been us. And at the start of this, it, it looked like it was going to be. And, you know, I think I think no state is sort of uh, sitting back, you know, with their chest out, thinking how good are we? Because we all know that they can turn so quickly with this thing, and it was just, I think, just really unlucky for Victoria that it, you know, it fell the way it did. Um, you know, maybe maybe the premier has a bit to answer for when this is all done and dusted. But um, you know, it, it's uh, I, I reckon that the feeling at the moment is is one of gee, we're, you know, we're, we're there for you, and we're 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 definitely thinking about you. We know that. You today could be us tomorrow. So um, you know, no one's no one's taking this thing lightly. I think what we see in Melbourne just makes people in the state respect um, how dangerous this situation is, and and the numbers that we're getting at the moment, day by day, out of Victoria, are actually really scary. And um, you know, we just I don't know. We, it, there's this real balance at the moment of trying to you know get the economy something coming out of the economy, get the machine working a little bit at least to you know to turn some money over and get things going, but. Um, there's, there's just a battle between the two. They're opposing forces, this COVID thing and, and the healthy economy. So, um, you know, finding the balance is incredible because at some point you've got to get people moving. You've got to have industry happening. Um, but, you know, at, at what cost? And, you know, it's, it's an incredible balance. I think, um, you know, I think ScoMo's done not a bad job of trying to keep everything in some sort of balance. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's been a really tricky time, as you've touched on there. Now, Barrett's uh, Channel 7 are coming back to motorsport. It's the first time since 2014. Uh, this time, though, covering TCR and S5000. And you're going to be the host of the show. Are you looking forward to that? 
I am really, really pumped for it. We've sort of been we've been nibbling around the edges. I mean, we've had the Bathurst 12 hour every year for the last few years, which we love, and mm. and the growth of that has been phenomenal. But uh, motorsport belongs on seven. That's just written in stone somewhere. <laughs> and um, you know, I mean, we, it's just so such a part of our DNA, and it feels so empty when we haven't got it. For, for me, I grew up watching Bathurst as a kid on seven, and you know, guys like Mike Raymond and Gary Wilkinson and Chris Economaki and yeah, they were day-to-day names for me, the commentators there. We just saw them week in, week out. And for me, you know, seven, uh, we invented race cam. We, we did so much to add to the telecasting of motorsport, not only in Australia but around the world. And it just feels like it's, um, you know, it, it's home. It, it's rightful that it that motorsport be on seven. I don't think we feel complete without it. So <laughs> to have TCR there is exciting because I find it such an exciting category. I mean, the names in there, I, I had a chat on the phone to Gary Rogers the other day. And talk about pumped. And, you know, when, when a guy like Kerry Rogers gets excited, who has been there and done everything in Australian motorsport, you know, I just think this is fantastic. Um, so I, I really look forward to it. I love the lineup of drivers. Um, I love the, the teams and the car makes. Mm. You know, to have manufacturers, real manufacturers going at it with each other. Um, as we know from the 12-hour race, when the manufacturers get involved, things go to the next level because, you know, they, they can back it, they can spend the money, they can promote it, they can bring the guests to the, the events. Um, so I think there's so much going for TCR and it's, you know, it's just an exciting time for Seven to, to have a share of that and be part of it. And this is something that, as, as we did with the 12-hour, we can really, I think, build it fast and build it really successfully over a short space of time. So, um, you know, and our, our, I really love our commentary team. We've got a ripping team of people. Mm. Uh, Rusty, obviously, I've admired for a long time and we've been mates, but we've never had the chance to work together because um, he's worked for Channel 7 Plus 3. Um, So, uh, you know, he finally uh, comes and has a run with us, which is great. And uh, just our our whole group, I reckon, is awesome. You know, people who are passionate about motorsport, you know, to have Jack Perkins there is great as well. And, and, you know, we've just got a, a really ripping team. Oh, no doubt about that. We'll touch on that in a second, but I did want to just ask you a quick little question. Obviously, Honda is your favourite TCR manufacturer. Would that be right? Obviously. Yeah, oh, obviously, yeah. 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 <laughs> Actually, you can't say that because you're affiliated with uh, Mercedes-Benz. Is that right? I am indeed. Yeah. So everyone's my favourite, which is great. <laughs> well, Mercedes isn't in TCR, so you can... That's uh, right. I'm safe. Yep. Yeah, you can. I can take a TCR team. All right. So Honda is going to be your favourite team from now on, okay? Great. Good, yep, good, sure. Good. Uh, now, you touched on the Star Starter commentary lineup. Uh, now, one that I'm a little bit interested... I shouldn't. Uh, my wife's not listening. Don't worry. But is Abby Way? Uh, do you know, have you actually worked with Abby before? Because uh, she's a little bit new to motorsport and uh, maybe just outside of the the scope of presenters that we've seen around a racetrack before. Firstly, I'm sorry your wife doesn't listen to your own podcast. That like, <laughs> makes me sad to start with. She yeah. Hopefully, she just misses this this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they haven't held back, have you? Being a big fan of Abby's, that's great. Good to know. Um, but that, no, she's a she's a ripping girl. Um, look, I think you look across our our lineup of experts, and it, like it's really it's a great panel of experts. Mm. There is a lot of depth of motorsport knowledge there. So the reality is that the the audience doesn't always share that level of depth, and you, you need someone like Abby, who's who is new to motorsport. I think to come in there and, and just balance it up a little bit and ask those questions that the you know that the average viewer might be asking at home. You know, what, what is this? Why is he doing that? 
why why did they bring him into pit lane now? In, mm. You know, all of those things. I think, you know, Abby's brilliant at that. She's an awesome presenter, but she comes with fresh eyes. And I think in a new category on, on a network like Seven, which, you know, we have a broad audience, we have a mm. big audience, we'll take this sport to, to big numbers of eyeballs, but we, we need to present it. You've got to think about the mass audience. You know, you've got to think more than the, the, the passionate motorsport fan uh, who is going to watch TCR no matter where it is? You know, we're we're hopefully, and the success of the category will be in the numbers that we can take it to. Mm. The the more viewers we get, and and the more non traditional motorsport viewers we get, the more successful we'll be because that's where you know that's where the advertising revenue lies. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed, uh, we can we can take it to a big audience. Mm. To maybe hopefully, I believe a bigger audience than any other race category in the country, oh, and. Um, and, uh, you know, and Abby's going to be a big part of that because, you know, people know her, they're, they're familiar with her, uh, they like her style. Um, she's, she's a brilliant presenter. So, um, you know, I just think she brings something else. And she'll just she'll call it as she sees it. She'll ask those questions. Um, she'll interview the drivers and, you know, she'll, she'll do her bit co-hosting. And uh, I think you'll be really impressed, guys. I think you'll, you'll really like her. No, nah, we're, we're looking good forward fun. to it. We think it's going to be fantastic. Last year was obviously the inaugural year of TCR in Australia and we got a lot of momentum going. Uh, and, you know, getting involved with Channel 7 this year, I think, is just going to ramp it up to an, a, another level. Well, obviously, we're, we're parked up at the moment. From you know, a Channel 7 point of view, how has that sort of been going? Uh, obviously, the category's been keeping you informed of, you know, the different dates of the calendar. Um, yep. It's been really tricky to manage, obviously. Are they keeping you up to date regularly, weekly, hourly? I mean, it does change quite a lot. Yeah, great. Um, as, as it changes. So, um, you know, as, as things are known and locked in, we, we adjust. Look, it, it's the same. It's no different to any other sport at the moment. It's exactly that's where we are. You know, AFL's a, a few weeks at a time proposition at the moment. Um, and, and we, you know, that's just the world we have to live in. We have to adjust resources and, and broadcast times, you know, in accordance with that. It is the toughest job. One of the toughest jobs in Australia at the moment is being a TV programmer because those guys are going, well, hang on, I've just lost <laughs> pretty much half a weekend of sport. Um, where's I Dream of Genie or something I can put in here and get things going? So, yeah, they're dying for more sport to get back on air and, and some sort of normality so that we can return to, you know, what they've built as a great programming schedule. But um, it's just going to – it is, as we said, it's going to take time. But, um, no, the information flow is great. We're, we're excited about the connection. Our our CEO, James Warburton, is a, a mad motorsport fan and, and really likes what he sees in TCR. And, um, you know, he I mean, he ran supercars very successfully for a number of years. So, you know, I think um, I think we're you know we're we're chopping at the bit, ready to go. You know, uh, James did the last TV deal, which kicked us out, so we haven't forgotten about that. But <laughs> you know, <laughs> but he's got us into TCR, and who knows who knows what's around the corner. Well, that's exactly right. The the as the news cycle goes at the moment, supercars won't have a free-to-air broadcaster for next year with Channel Channel 10 pulling out. 7 plus 3, I did like how you called it that. I, I'm <laughs> definitely going to use that later on. Um, so so what do you think the chances are or would you like to see supercars return to, I guess, as you say, it's it's old home uh, at, at Channel 7 and uh, really if you did have supercars as well, then um, yeah, Channel 7 would be the real Australian home of motorsport. I think we'd be the, the the biggest home motorsport in Australia has ever had. 
imagine, you know, one weekend you're racing TCR, next re- weekend you're racing supercars. We're about live sport. You know, we, we know that live sport works in the free-to-air market. That, that's where it's at. And that's, that's footy and it's cricket and it's cars and, uh, and a bit of horse racing thrown in and a few others. But, you know, the, the, if, the, if you were to pitch for the big three in this country, it, it's footy, cricket and cars. And, um, you know, to have supercars and TCR together on the one network, um, you know, with a, with a consistent commentary team, um, you know, and people knowing that I, I think one of the biggest challenges supercars has had over the years is the unpredictability of the schedule. So there's no, there hasn't been a rhythm traditionally to the, the schedule. Whereas, you know, you know, on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon, you turn on the telly, you're going to see footy. Mm. Um, yeah, but supercars rounds have been, you know, there's one a couple of weeks, there's one three weeks, four weeks, whatever. Uh, but if you can, you know, you're regularly saying to people, um, okay, well, th- this weekend we've got TCR and then in two weekends we've got supercars. And it's just, if you can build a rhythm to it in the calendar, you know, it's just magnificent. And people get used to that habit. People love a routine. And just to know that, you know, if it's going to be every second weekend or every weekend over winter, you're, you're going to see cars on seven. Um, fantastic. You know, I'm obviously the, the, Whatever deal is going on is far above me, but um, I would just, I would be, I would be, it would make my year for the crappy year this has been mm. if we were to, to walk out to the end of this year with uh, supercars for next year. That would be, that would be just awesome. I think the, the key to it from Seven's point of view is we, we've got a no disrespect to our friends at Seven Plus Three, but, um, you know, we, we've got to deliver a better free to air offering. There's got to be, you know, there's got to be more free to air um, because one thing that's happened, I think, in this market is, is people just can't afford Fox. You know, the, the decline in Fox, mm. um, I think, we'll find will be significant. And, uh, you know, we've got to put it back on free to air and do it right and give it lots of hours and make it available to people. And I think I think supercars know that too. You know, they, they've gone down the path with, with pay TV. Um, rugby did the same thing, and and the reality is it it, it doesn't produce great results, and I I think they you know they'd admit that as well. So, you know, um, hopefully, yeah, we come back in a big way. Fingers crossed. Who knows what's going to happen? But for, for my two bobs worth, I would love to be a part of it. I'd love to see it on seven, and and again, it just a it brings supercars home, and and b it brings two great series in Australia onto the one network and they'll actually, they'll grow off each other. I just think it's, it's got huge potential and, and they both win. Now, uh, just wind the clock back a little bit for me, Brett. Uh, yep. As a young boy, what, what is your earliest memory of a motorsport event, uh, especially the Bathurst 1000? Yep. Yeah, definitely, definitely Bathurst. And um, just the, that Sunday morning, we're having to go to bed early on the Saturday, yeah. um, just getting up in our PJs, running to the old black and white TV and flicking it on uh, in the morning. And, and that was it in our house. That was done day. You know, Dad got in the Jason Recliner rocker. Uh, we had a couple <laughs> of beanbags and we all sat back there and, and, and it was on and there was nothing like a start of Bathurst, you know. And um, for me, um, Brocky, was, Brocky was my hero and, and Alan Moffat, was just unbelievable, and, and the racing between them over those years was incredible. Uh, the one-two finish, uh, bro, um, Alan and, and Colin Bond, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the biggest thrill I ever had was eventually getting to work with Brocky down the road. And uh, the day that he announced his retirement, um, for, for some unknown reason, I was working for Seven in Melbourne, and I got the call, and you know, his his he wanted me to, to spend the day with him and to do the story of his retirement. And yeah. um, it was an amazing day, you know, because I started out with his family there in the morning um, and had, had virtually turned up for Pricky with them. <laughs> and then we drove to HRT and we had the camera rolling in the car and 
I mean, for starters, Brocky's driving me in his HSV through Melbourne. So, hello, that's heaven to start with. Um, and then we, you know, we got to HRT and, and no one knew. And uh, he, wow. he brought the whole the whole team together um, and he made the announcement. And we, we got it all on camera. And and then, he, you know, he had stops to make. He headed off to Mobile, who were his big partner at the time, and he – he spoke to them and explained what he was doing, and it was it was probably the, the one of the biggest pieces of Australian sporting history that I've ever been part of, and I, I really appreciate the, that day and the memories of it, and you know the the, the friendship I had with Brocky after that, and uh, yeah, we worked together on the uh, Bathurst 20, uh, 24 hour, and then on the the twelve hour, and uh, the the different categories over the years that he was a part of, but um, it was just a thrill for me. You know, he was he was Peter Perfect. He was he was. He was everything a race car driver could ever want to be. Oh, without a doubt. He's a hero to so many motorsport fans throughout the country. Uh, now, another show that you are about to start hosting, uh, Moments That Moved Us, the Sydney Games. Uh, look back on the Sydney Games there. Tell us a little bit about that and uh, what your, yep. uh, what are some of the big moments that we can expect. Oh, this Honestly, I watched three segments of this the other night. They, they let them out for me to have a look. And um, it just it blew my mind. And I had wet eyes and everything going on <laughs> because that Sydney 2000 period was the proudest period of Australian history that I have ever seen. Um, looking back, so tomorrow night uh, on 7, 9.15, is the opening ceremony. And um, it, it was just unbelievable. We got every great Australian talent, and you, you just forget how many brilliant performers we've got, all in the one stadium at the one time. Mm. Plus, we knew we were on show to the world, and this was a ceremony that just captured everything Australia to the world. And it was, in my mind, still the best opening ceremony we've ever seen. Um, but the other thing was that you'll see tomorrow night, so many things went wrong, and it should have been the biggest embarrassment the world has ever seen by one country. Um, for starters, that if you can imagine, if you, I don't know if you guys remember back, but Sydney 2000 started with uh, the stockman riding out to the man from Snowy River Music. Unbelievable Australian moment. You know, Australian flags, Cobras, uh, dries of bone jackets in the stadium. The whole crowd's just, you know, it's giving everyone goosebumps. Um, when that started, and you'll hear this guy's story the other night, but the conductor of the orchestra, the communications, everyone's on headsets so they can communicate and hear the director's cues, tell them when to go. Um, just before the ceremony started, that system died, like it went kaput. So the conductor of the orchestra, to start the Olympic ceremony, the the opening ceremony for the Sydney 2000 Games, has no one to tell him when to go. So he's sitting there and he's thinking, well, I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't. So so he raised his baton and he started the orchestra and it just fired and, and all went well. Um, the other the other classic was uh, Nicky Webster, who did that awesome job uh, performing at the opening ceremony. I, originally, they wanted that to be a little boy. So uh, it was never going to be Nicky. And, and the lady who actually choreographed the ceremony just thought Nicky was amazing and wanted Nicky to do it. And and it turns out she was brilliant. And the other the other great story is the Olympic cauldron. Um, the cauldron was designed so when Kathy lit it, it went it, it went up on a big hydraulic ram, and they'd had a fair bit of trouble getting it getting it going. And it turns out on on this night, um, it jammed. I don't know if you remember, but Kathy lit it, it raised, and then it stopped. And you can actually see it sort of wave and and stop. Now the problem was that there was only enough gas in a bottle to get it up a certain level before it reconnected with the permanent line. So 
that gas bottle is fast running out and the thing has jammed. So we were about to be the first country in the world to extinguish the Olympic flame on the opening night of the Olympic Games. Like, it would have been the greatest embarrassment of all time. It sounds very anyway, somehow, Yeah, it is. The whole thing, it is seriously, it's a comedy of errors. But to the, to the viewer watching around the world, they just went, oh, that's an awesome ceremony. But our guys are going, oh, God, everything's going wrong. But... Um, anyway, the thing got moving and got up on the gas. And I, I think, this, as the story goes, they had 45 seconds of gas left before it went out. So it was an amazing story. And Prob, the, the great part of it is Kathy Freeman standing there with the um, with the torch. She's lit the flame. And she, she wore an earpiece that night so she could get direction. And she said the first thing she heard on the earpiece was, uh, okay, Kathy, we've got, a, we've got a slight problem. So uh, just stay there. Keep, stay, keep that position. Just hold the torch up and, and we'll come back to you. And the next thing she heard about a minute later was apparently someone accidentally bumped the key on and all she heard was shouting and swearing yeah. and she knew straight away, oh, we've got a bigger problem. <laughs> so she said it was unbelievable. But um, that's, they're the great story. So that's, that's tomorrow night. That's the opening ceremony. The next Tuesday night, so Tuesday the 4th of August, um, is Moments That Moved Us and that is the best sporting highlights from the Olympic Games. Now, um, look, I, I had the luckiest break of my life at the Olympic Games in Sydney 2000 because the network had a bit of a falling out with um, with a couple of people and, and I got promoted up to host the, the prime time of the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games out of nowhere. And uh, it was just the most magnificent time. But I found myself in the host seat the night that Cathy ran her final on Monday the 25th of September 2000. Amazing. And it was, it was seriously, it was mind blowing, and it was, you know, I knew it was the biggest watch night of the games, and you know, it was one of those nights that you, you, you were never going to just gain any film. It all you could do was you could, if you messed it up, you could destroy your career forever. That was, that was the bottom line, and and luckily we got through it, and I, I set it up and threw out to Bruce at the stadium, and, and away we went, and a record number of Australians watched that night, and and Kathy delivered, and the rest is history. But um, so many great moments. If I can, I can give you a couple that were really special for me. Um, I reckon the the water polo girls, um, now women's water polo was not an Olympic sport heading into 2000. And the girls, I don't know if you remember back, but they turned up at the airport when Juan Antonio Samaranch turned up with the inspection team, I think a year out from the Games, and they turned up in their cozies at the airport and led little mini protests to get um, water polo, women's water polo into the games. And they were successful. They got their sport in. So when you've done that and the world turns up to play, the pressure is on you to win. So they get to the gold medal match. They're playing the United States. As far as the history of water polo goes, it is probably still the greatest match of water polo I've ever, ever played. Like it was full on. And our girls just won it and grabbed the gold medal. So they've got the sport in, they've played the home Olympic games and they completed the fairy tale by winning the gold medal. It was just awesome. And one of my other, well, I'll give you a sad one. Um, poor old Jane Savile, uh, the walker. The walker. If you remember yeah, her, early, her story. Early yeah. in the games, yes. Correct. So she is out in front in the women's walk. Uh, she's heading into the main stadium. So she goes into the stadium. All she has to do is complete a lap and she gets the gold medal. As she goes into the stadium, she gets a red card. So her mm-hmm. final, you've got three red cards. She got the third one. Bang, you're out disqualified. Olympic dream. Gone. So she is sitting on the side of the road, just in Homebush outside the stadium, just crying to herself as all the others go through and the gold medal is won. And everyone watching in the stadium had obviously been cheering her. They could see how close she was. And then that was, without a doubt, the flattest moment of the games when she didn't get to the line. Um, 
And the other one on a, on a brighter note was the men's 4x100 freestyle relay team in the pool, um, including Clumy, including Ian Thorpe. The Americans, Gary Hall Jr., they'd been in the headlines saying, we are going to smash the Australians like guitars, spread them <laughs> right across the pool. There'll be nothing left. And what do you know, on the night, Thorpey swims the race of his life to bring it home and bang, Australia wins the gold medal. And really, those early medals in the pool, they really set that just set Australia alight, you know, not only the athletes, but the whole nation. And it really just set the scene. But we, on Tuesday night, Tuesday week, we relive all those memories and it will blow you away. I'd have to say it's the proudest time ever to be an Australian and the, the memories, they're just goosebumps and you'll probably get a wet eye. And it's just the most magnificent thing to relive. And I actually can't believe we waited 20 years to play it again now, but it's, it's still so good. Oh, Barretts, we can't. I can't wait for it. The uh, I'm a original Sydney boy, and and I remember in at that time just being so proud of our country, so proud of the mm. city that I lived in. You can probably talk to this a little bit more. The the vibe in town that at that point twenty years ago was just unbelievable, and uh, and something I. I'm very grateful for experiencing and something that I was so grateful for, for being in close, you know, feeling it from like you had a, a lot of work to do at that point, obviously. But um, yeah, can you just talk to the vibe of, um, you know, what Sydney side is, what the Australians were going through at that point? Yeah, unbelievable. I don't, I don't think, I can't imagine we'll ever see anything like it. Like, can you imagine what it's like for us? We know our career peaked 20 years ago. Like, that's as good as it ever gets. And um, yeah, the Olympic Games was just that magical time. So, and as we relive uh, tomorrow night, the, the start really is with the announcement that Sydney had got the Games. You know, Juan Antonio, Samaranch's favourite, famous, and the winner is Sydney. Um, we we kick off with that. And, and the reaction, like, you forget how many... Tens of thousands of people were at the Opera House in Darling Harbour that night, in the middle of the night, to hear that announcement. And the celebration from there, it was just on. The other milestone for me was when the night we'd been following the uh, the Olympic Flames journey around Australia. And it had been just huge and beautiful from the time Nova Paris Kneebone took the flame uh, around Uluru. It had travelled around the country, everywhere, and it just built this momentum. On the Thursday night before the Games, it came into Sydney. And when it arrived in Sydney City, there were a million people in the city, a million people. It was unbelievable. Um, and that really was saying, okay, the games are here and, and this is on and it, it, it's all happening. So just an amazing time. Moments that moved us. We can't wait to uh, see that. And I tell you, we need some uh, we need some good news because uh, every other time we switch and see uh, see your face on the TV at the moment, Mark, we get uh, we get horrible news. So um, <laughs> it'll be nice to see something refreshing and uh, entertaining. We thank you so much for joining us on Parked Up. We can't wait to see and work with you at the uh, TCR Australia S five thousand racing later this year, hopefully. And yeah, we're pumped up. Oh, guys, we're not far away now. We've just got to stay positive. This is this is happening. We we just can't wait to get it going. So it won't be far away, and uh, we'll we'll be into it. But a um, lot of excitement, and um, as I say, look, it's 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 exciting for us to have motorsport back on seven. And I really think looking at the team too, that we can do a job that'll that'll make Australia really proud, and and you know the the motorsport family proud of what we're doing. So um, bring it on, boys! Can't wait. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Brett. Cheers. And that was great to catch up with Barretts, who 
seems pretty excited about getting back to motorsport, but even more excited about talking about the 2000 Olympics. Yeah, he loved it there. It was funny, before we went on air, uh, you actually mentioned, now, Barretts might be a little bit short with his answers, so you have to be ready with your next question. He was in good form He today. was in great form. Well, I, I guess I just assume that because he's, he's busy. He has to wake up like a ridiculous time in the every morning yeah uh, and i know in the afternoon that they have their uh, production briefing prior to the next day's show uh, breakfast show so i figured that he'd go okay cool i'm going to give these boys about 10 minutes of my time and uh you know not a minute not a minute more not a minute less and um uh, he was fantastic so Once and uh, the sydney olympics stuff really talks to me as well mm. because i was in sydney i was living in sydney at the time I was only young, I was only 19 or whatever, and uh, I went to a, f- a few of the games while, while it was all going on. Mm-hmm. It, was, um, it was an excellent time to be alive. Oh, it was a pretty proud uh, moment for Australia. It was pretty cool to watch. Interesting to hear that they had so much drama going on with the opening, opening ceremony. I mean, we would not have known that at all you know, just watching it from the outside. So I'll be interested to watch that show also. He was pretty excited, though, once we started talking about the Olympics. He really opened up and was telling about us a few, telling us some really cool stories. I loved how he said, I'll just tell you one more story and then another and then another. Nah, that's fine. That's <laughs> He's good. a ripper. He's a ripper. It's a ripper. Um, so uh, we should quickly now move on to our next guest, another journalist. Just ask him. He'll tell you he's just as famous as Mark Beretta. We love PG. (laughs) Paul Gover is coming up on the Parked Up podcast. Now, PG worked for News Limited for uh, 145,000 years or something. Mm. Um, Was always the main motoring and motorsport journo for your major daily papers, your, your Herald Suns down here in Melbourne, your Daily Telegraphs in Sydney and so forth. So PG has been in the industry for a long time, loves his car racing as well, and has always fought for car racing in the mainstream. So, you know, a lot of the main newspaper coverage that the sport has received in the past 30, 35, 40 years, uh, you can attribute to, to PG. He's continuing his love of racing by starting a, a new website, race.news, uh, which covers everything from Formula One down to supercars, TCR Australia, all mm. of the big Australian categories. So we thought this would be a nice time to get PG on the line. TD, go. Let's do it. And it's great to welcome Paul Gover to the Parked Up podcast. Paul Gover is longtime famous, legendary Australian journalist and also likes to tinker with race cars as well. PG, thanks for joining us. It's always a pleasure. I love talking about all things motorsport. You found, I've been the, around you found the right so people long. then? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was, I was doing this probably before either of you were born, which makes me feel a bit old, but hey, it keeps me young. So that's why I like to do it. Just give us a little bit of an insight into your COVID-19 story, PG. Everyone's been affected by it. What's your story like? Uh, my story is fantastic, actually. Um, I live at Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Um, and these days, I've, I've actually moved my office up into the, uh, into the dining room because it's high. I live high up on a hill. I've got a lovely view. And thankfully, people still answer the phone. So you can still be in touch with people with what's going on. But I am suffering massive, massive, massive withdrawals from motorsport i think 
I don't think I've ever gone this long without going to some sort of motorsport event uh, in the last 40 years. You know, I started going when I was a teenager, when I was about Tony's height, actually. Um, <laughs> You're not much taller. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, like, uh, you know, this year the, the plan was to cover all of the supercar races and all of the TCR races. So I was going to be on the week, you know, I was going to probably be away from home more than I was at home. But yeah, so I mean, I've been a journalist for all that time. I'm a I'm a trained journalist. I used to cover train crashes and car crashes and all that usual stuff. Then found I could write out about my hobby, and and away I went. And uh, I've been doing motorsport and motoring journalism since then. We actually share a uh, a little bit of a common thing with our childhood. We both went to Campbelltown High School in New South Wales. There, I didn't know that. Wow, that's amazing. We've spoken about called... this before, so I'm glad yeah, know, our conversations not, not are same... so memorable. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't that sense. But but you didn't call it what it's called now. It's now called the Campbelltown School for the Performing Arts. Uh, well, it was when I went there. It was Campbelltown Performing Arts High School, but it's uh, actually it's they they ditched the performing arts thing. I think they they killed all the clowns or something. I'm not sure. Uh, not too much art or performance going on in Campbelltown these days. But the great thing about Campbelltown, and I'm, I'm not sure if it ever worked for you, but Oran Park was not far away. No, that's so right. from with my friends from, from school, we could ride our bicycles out to Oran Park. And also the train line to uh, Warwick Farm wasn't far away. And so I was able to go to quite a lot of race uh, meetings when I was young growing up in Campbelltown. Now, uh, one of the reasons why we wanted to grab you on the Parked Up podcast today was uh, this the uh, initiation of a brand new Australian motorsport website. It's race.news for any of our listeners who might not have seen it before. You're the main journo for it. You've also got another legendary journo uh, working with you, um, covering all the European Formula One stuff in Joe Saywood. Um, just tell us about how... How it all started, well, who, yeah. who's, so who's behind and it and all of that sort of stuff? Yeah, so Joe and I have known each other since the 1980s. Uh, he came out from England to cover um, Bathurst in the days when uh, when it was a round of the World Touring Car Championship and, and a big deal. Um, and we've always talked about doing something together. And then I was thinking that there's lots and lots of websites around the place, but most of them just tell you what's happened, not why it's happened. And they, the big thing for me is I, I like to dive into you know the personalities of the people and why they do what they do you know what tony really thinks of his teammate you know (laughs) what his teammate really thinks of tony you know and and some of the supercars people i mean fantastic rivalries over the years but but these days a lot of that color's gone away and i always wanted to do a website that did that and joe does that in formula one we had a a dinner uh at the uh, australian grand prix that didn't happen this year um the night before it was called off and decided to put a plan together I managed to get some backing to, to get the thing off the ground and, and away we've gone. Now, ideally, you wouldn't do it in COVID. Apart from anything else, there's not much commercial uh, sponsorship around at the moment, but we've got enough funding to keep going and we're pushing ahead. And the whole idea, the whole premise of the site is simple. Don't tell me what happened, tell me why it happened. And I can credit that to one of the editors I had at the Herald Sun newspaper who told me exactly that when I was covering motorsport for a daily newspaper. I absolutely love this concept, PG. Well done on getting this firing and, and going. Uh, so what you're saying, though, is it's going to be a rival to Speed Cafe. Is that right? Um, it, it, look, it, it operates in the same space as Speed Cafe. Um, do I think it's a rival for Speed Cafe? Come no. Uh, ah. no. Well, 
It, well, we're not going to do. Hey, it may be a rival for for Speed Cafe in terms of trying to find trying to find eyeballs. Um, is it a rival for Speed Cafe in trying to they trying to do what they do? Absolutely not. You know, somebody breaks wind in in supercars and it's up on Speed Cafe. <laughs> somebody has a rumor, it's up on Speed Cafe. You know, yes, I do look at Speed Cafe, but I don't. I'm not at all guided by what they do, and I'm not trying to. I, and I think there's space for both. You know, mm. um, Auto Action. You know, the magazine. There's space for that as well. They do a little bit of both. They do some news and they do analysis, um, but they can only do analysis on a fortnightly publication. Really, their website hasn't got a whole lot of. Uh, horsepower behind it so the whole idea of this is to tell people why things happen you know like after sydney motorsport park were there any journalists there no there weren't so i went and found a spectator mm. you know freddie up in the grandstand and i interviewed him and we ran a story from one of the few people who was actually there as a punter paid his own money what did he think of the racing that's a great idea do you actually yeah. enjoy uh being back on the journo scene and and following the news yeah absolutely uh look i've known I mean, if you, you think about some of the people that are around motorsport, Neil Crompton, this coming week, turned 60 years old. That's a six and a zero. Yeah, right. Now, I've known him since he first came into, into motorsport. So I've known him for a very long time. Um, you know, Mark Scaife came up and introduced himself to me in 1986. I, I'll never forget. He said, my name's Mark Scaife, and hopefully, hopefully one day you'll be writing nice things about me. <laughs> well, I've written some nice things about him, <laughs> some nasty ones. But So I know the people, and, and, yeah. and, you know, it's like a – you know what it's like. Everybody knows everybody in this game, and it's like a big family, and sometimes – you don't get on with some members of your family and sometimes you do, but there's always stories and there's always insight. I mean, right at the moment, all those supercar teams are travelling. They're on the road. They're on the Gold Coast. Well, what are they doing? Mm. You know, don't tell me it's 24-7 to, you know, to spanner a supercar to take it to Darwin. Wow. So are they, are they, enjoy, are they having a, you know, is it a holiday? Depends that's... who you're talking to, though. I think if they're talking to their wives, they're working flat out and uh, how difficult is this? But... Probably the truth is they've got a bit of free time up their sleeve. Yeah, I know that a bunch of them are going out to have a bit of a skid round at, at Morris's joint at, at, at Norwell this week in the mm. in the excels that they've got there. And I know some other guys are doing, you know, jet skiing. But I think that's the other thing, you know, like that's the sort of stuff I want to do. I'm trying to track down some people with cameras who can send me photos this week. You know, what it's like with the life, the life in lockdown, you mm. know, for those guys. What are they doing? You know, some of them are based at, at Dreamworld. Um, which is where Warren Luft has the skidding around, you know, stunt, stunt activity. So yeah. are they having a ride in the stunt car? They're having a bit of a play around. Um, and then some other guys are over at, at SeaWorld, and I know the drivers were involved in the in the show the other day. That was just a, you know, that's just a PR operation, getting a payback for being there. But mm. but what are the, you know, what are the mechanics doing? These are the people that I actually want to talk to about what they're doing. And then when they get to Darwin, well, it's going to be a double header, right? So they're going to be in Darwin for at least ten or twelve days. Yeah, I could think do of they have to be isolated? Well, here's the yeah, but here's the question: Do they have to be isolated in the bubble like they were in Sydney? Mm. You know, when they went to Sydney for the the race there, they all stayed in the same hotel. There was one floor for Victorians and one floor for Queenslanders. Well, there are there are COVID rules in in uh, Northern Territory at the moment, and okay, they haven't been. They've been in Queensland, which is not a problem for, for isolation or anything, but do they have to stay in the same hotel? Are they allowed out of the hotel? Well, you've been up there. I mean, mm. everybody's trying to do something up there. They go in the, in the boats. Yep. They go and look at crocodiles and all that sort of stuff. But 
do you run out of things to do after 10 days? I know they have a great uh, food market there mm. once a week. Yep. But so there's that. Then they go to Townsville. Well, are they going to stop on the way to Townsville? So these are the sort of stories I want to do and try and make it a little bit more colourful, a little bit more three-dimensional for the people who are reading the stories we publish. Ah, uh, sounds good. Now, you've got a bit of a different uh, journo sort of uh, approach, I would say. Um, and one thing that I always notice is when I pull in, to pit lane in my Honda TCR rocket and literally step one foot out of the car, you are right there trying to work out and, and get the scoop of what just happened. And uh, yep. most journos would just wait a moment, but you try and get me when I'm still uh, very, very hot under the collar. Is that your oh, style? Absolutely. Is that what, is, do look, you do that on purpose? Absolutely. <laughs> well, you want to get you want to get the look. The whole thing about this is. Any fool can read out a press statement, and mm. lots of them do, you know, drivers, and they don't want to talk to you. The thing about it is if you're right there on the spot and you ask a question, you'll get the real answer with no filter. Yes. Um, and, and you're very good at it. You see me coming, you know how to play the game. But you would know also <laughs> that during the TCR series last year, there were a bunch of foreign guys who'd never met me before. Yep. Um, and they told me some that I got some great stuff. And you always get the best stuff straight away. And the other thing is, Say Tony comes in and Tony says, you know, oh, I just got hit by such and such. Well, I'll walk straight down to the, the other person and say, Tony just said you hit him. Did you hit him or not? <laughs> and often they'll say, yeah, I hit him. He was blocking me. Whereas if you give them five minutes to cool down, they'll go, oh, no, no, no. I must have made a bit of a mistake. Look, if I, if I hit him, I didn't mean to. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, and that's, that's again, that's part of what I do. The other advantage I have <clears throat> is that I have raced a bit. And as you would know, I can be a bit evil. Um, and a couple of times I've, I've walked down and said to people, you know, you did such and such. And they go, no, no, I didn't. I go, hey, I've raced. I've done exactly mm. what you just did. Don't tell me you didn't do it. And they go, yeah, you got me. Hold the hand up and away you go. So, again, yeah. you know, I don't, want to pre- I don't want to print the team's press release. Yes, yes. No, I understand. Uh, now, you, you, as you just mentioned, you've been a race driver yourself. You've raced at the Bathurst 1000. Uh, yeah. So you sort of had, you know, you've had both hats on in, in many ways. Um, was it journo first or race driver first or are you just a frustrated race driver? What's the story? Every, yeah, well, every race driver is frustrated. Yes. Even Mark Scaife won all those championships is frustrated. <laughs> um, no, when I was a kid, I, uh, I drove rally cars and I was, I was decent as a rally car driver, you know, if I'd been able to go on with it. Um, but I didn't, I never had the money. I had to have a real job. Real job for me was journalism. Okay. Um, then I got to write about my hobby. And then because I was working in the car industry, a bunch of car companies basically worked out, Hey, this kid can drive half. All right. We might stick in one of our cars as a guest driver. And so over the years, I mean, I co-drove for Bathurst at Bathurst one year in a Persia with Peter Brock, oh, actually shared the car with him in the, yeah, exactly. So, you know, and I've driven, you know, cars for Ford, so Peugeot, um, Citroen, a whole bunch of companies. Um, and yes, I'm blessed that I didn't have to go and find all the money for that. Although the year I raced in the, at Sandown 500 and then at Bathurst, I helped find the money. But I was lucky. Um, if I'd been 100% to, dedicated to, to racing, maybe I would have been okay. Um, but I was 100% to, dedicated to journalism. And I can tell you that most journalists have long, longer careers than most racing drivers, so it hasn't worked out too badly, and I've had a lot of fun and got a few trophies along the way. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and, and we're still going to try. You still and, own, and you still, and, no, hang on. And you still owe me a, a driver, remember? That's what I was car. just about to say. We're still going to try and organise you to have a driver of uh, my Honda Civic Type R TCR yep. car. So, yes, I'm but looking you know, for, the problem is, yes. Well, I can't get there at the moment to actually do a test day. So, um, yeah, th- there's no chance of that right now. You might have to oh, take well, over, PG. You might have to take his seat for the first round. Well, ironically, I have my own seat now. I, I've oh, decided to buy myself a new a new office chair. I've used the same um, Recaro office chair for about 30 years anyway. That's an expensive recently, office was, chair. Yeah, well, the, my new office chair is an OMP uh uh, you know, headrest type, full racing seat. What one is it? A was, Champ R or something? Uh, something like that, or, or in my case, a Champ Dork. But yeah, <laughs> no, it's a good thing. Um, I'm getting it mounted up on a base fairly soon. I I went for a ride with Stephen Johnson this year in, uh, actually not with Stephen, I went with Dick, but in Stephen's XD Falcon, you know, yep. the uh, the world's fastest historic racing car. And I got in and it had, uh, let's call it a Stephen Johnson spec seat in the passenger seat as well. What do you say? I said, oh, this is, well, he's not small. He's not as small as you, is he? You know. But uh, yeah, so I bought this new seat, so I'll be able to bring that down and whack it into the old Honda. Well, All right. Not the old Honda, the new Honda. That'd be fun. That sounds. We'll definitely but, yeah. organise something this year once we finally get going. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm really, I've got to say, I'm really looking forward to the TCR thing. Mm. I thought, you know, for a startup last year, it went really, really well. You know, there was good racing, different brands. Lots of different personalities and different people. So there were older, 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 much older than you. You know, like you had Russell Ingle there. You had foreign drivers there. You had young guys. And, and then you had sort of you as as a good benchmark, you know, very, very solid supercars driver, somebody with lots of experience. So you, I could measure people up and down mm. from where they were compared to you. Um, and, and obviously that'll continue again this year. But I'm looking forward to all that because it's different. It's not the same people just in a V8, turning up at the same racetrack they've always turned up at. Yeah, I thought it was good. It was refreshing. It was new. Uh, the driver lineup and the teams as well, I thought, was really good start last year. And it's obviously just going to build uh, for 2020. Yep. But, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see when we can actually get going. Uh, it keeps getting kicked down the road. Have you got any insight yourself? No, no, there's nothing. I mean, obviously, they, they want, they're still talking September, mm. Sydney Motorsport Park. But these days, Sydney Motorsport Park is in a COVID. Well, it's very close to a COVID hotspot as well. Mm. So you got to, if you, if I was to come down from Queensland, it would be you'd have to make sure you didn't go to those sort of those places and not be allowed back into Queensland without you know uh, isolating. And then trying to get out of Victoria is problematic. I think it'll still happen. I, I think hopefully you know things are going to shake out a lot more. And we're right in the middle of winter at the moment, so mm. you know COVID is a type of flu. This is the worst possible time of the year for flu generally, um, particularly in the colder states like Victoria. Yeah. Um, hopefully things sort of start to pick up a little bit and then we can move ahead from there. Now, last question from myself. Let's talk supercars. Who's going to win yep. the championship this year? Uh, one of two people. The yes. two people will be Scott McLaughlin or Jamie Winkup. Okay. Um, and there, I think my, my money's on Scott McLaughlin uh, because he's got a whole lot of – he's got momentum. Um, he is desperately keen to prove himself as well before he goes to America next year with Roger Penske. Um, and I think that the reason why I picked Jamie to be his closest rival, if you watch what Jamie's good at, Jamie's good at having very good, bad weekends. Yeah. So he, he can win a race, um, when he, when he's get, when he gets a chance, but if he knows he can, he, he'll, he'll optimize everything maybe to come third or fourth. 
So if you look at uh, at Sydney Motorsport Park, the second weekend, Jamie over the weekend was much more solid than Shane Van Gisbergen. Shane's very fast, but over three races, he didn't have the consistency. So Scott had speed and consistency. Jamie had some speed and consistency. And I reckon this year more than any other, because we're going to be playing rubber roulette again, I'm pretty sure that in Darwin there'll be a mix of tyres again. So you won't be able to win all the races. And they're also going for a shorter format at the moment um, to keep the interest there, to keep the racing happening. Over the season, I think those two guys, they're from the two best teams. They're the two strongest drivers. And, and Jamie's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. And he knows how to win that championship if he gets a chance. Yeah, he certainly does. He is the GOAT seven-time champion. And, and I guess what we really hope... Uh, while we certainly want to see the best best person win, we also we want to see a fight. We need something that goes down to the wire, keeps the interest in the series as high yeah. as possible for as long as possible as well. And um, yep. and Scotty Mack certainly looks like the man to catch. And I, yep. I guess the uh, the race fan in me certainly wants a uh, wants a championship that's going to going to go right down to that very last race back in Sydney. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing is the way the format is at the moment. You know, you, you've got the BJR guys winning. You know, um, you've got uh, 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 Jack LeBrock winning uh, in Sydney. Now, that in the long term, does that upset what's going to happen in the championship? Not a whole lot. But it also it revitalises the racing, you know. You think, wow, these kids are not too bad and, you know, they're going along well. So there'll be other stuff to interest us as race fans. The one big disappointment I had out of Sydney Motorsport Park Jack LeBrock won his first race, yeah? Did he do a donut? Did he do a burnout? Nothing. He just drove in like he'd, you know, it was a little bit sad to me that he couldn't uncork the emotion a little bit. Maybe the team had a down on him for damaging the engine with them being on the road and stuff, but I would have liked to have seen a bit more emotion from the kid for winning his first race. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Uh, a little bit of a tough one there. I'm not exactly sure why he might not have done that, but he was pretty subdued about it anyway. Now, whether yeah. that was because he was... Uh, shocked by what had happened or whether he kind of understands that it was a bit of a different race and he was kind of in a different race to the rest of the field anyway, yep. just with the way the tyres worked out. But, um, look, we, we spoke about it last week. Great that he got the win. It's just a shame that, um, yeah, some of that some of that great emotion wasn't, uh, yeah. wasn't quite there. Well, let me tell you, if I'd done a Tony on him and I'd opened the door to ask him what he felt, I would have found out what he was really thinking at the time. And that's what I mean. He wouldn't have had time to think about it. Come on, mate. How do you really feel? I would have and done a burnout for sure. Wouldn't have been a good absolutely. one, but I would have done one. <laughs> a bit hard to do a burnout in one of those TCR Hondas, though, mate. <laughs> no, you can do just do them in reverse. <laughs> PG, thank you so much for joining us on Parked Up. We'll leave it there. You enjoy that uh, fabulous Gold Coast. We'll uh, stay down here and look after. Um... Well, you get the work done, and you get the work done. You make the cake, and I'll just put the icing on top. Is that okay? <laughs> sounds okay. As long as we can eat it as well. Yep, sounds fine. Thanks, PG. Thanks, mate. Okay, thank you. Well, that was a good chat catching up with PG, and you know, this time round, generally when I chat to PG, it's at a race meeting and like we just mentioned, he's generally shoving a mic in my face and I'm sweating from just, you know, competing in a race or whatever it might be so he can try and get the emotion out of me and generally I'm pretty fired up. So uh, nice to chat with you to him in a really relaxed environment, just see what he's been doing. Sounds like he's been... Uh, not doing it very tough, to be honest. Nah, just chilling out on the Gold Coast. What a joke. Yeah. We're stuck down here in K 
cold old Melbourne. We are doing it tough, aren't we? You know, it's freezing cold. It's, you know, we're locked down. Our weekends are really restricted. It's not really that nice, is it? No. No, no anyway. but who? no one feels sorry for nah, us. No, no one does. But yeah, good to chat with PG. Uh, he's actually a really good friend of my boss, Ryan Story. Every time I ring Ryan, he's on the phone to PG. Yeah. Yeah, okay. every time. Cool. So I think he's uh, a little bit uh, in the background of uh, this new website as well. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, there you go. I like it. Uh, the more websites, the better, quite frankly. Creates competition for the likes of the Speed Cafes with uh, Brett Murray's mm. website. I like um, it. I mean, it's coming from a different angle. And often, you know, Speed Cafe, they're just running whatever story uh, they can get their hands on to get stories out there. And, you know, nothing against the journos that are writing them, but they probably don't have the experience of PG. So I think uh, he's coming from a different angle there. And we sort of get a different perspective of the same story, but a different viewpoint. Okay, well, the more the merrier, I say. Um, the more competition there is in any world, mm. then, you know, the cream rises to the top. It drives more interest and, and pushes more people along. You know, it was only a few years ago that there were basically no Australian motorsport podcasts. Mm. It was really slim podcasts. picking. Yeah. But now there's heaps. Now, I actually went through the list of all the... Well, I didn't even... I don't even have enough time to listen to them mm. all to see what our what our bit of rivals are doing, Tony. I like to spy <laughs> on them and listen to what they're trotting out. And um, I think we're the best. We're, we're definitely getting there. I mean, record show last week. We're getting some momentum on our side and we're getting some amazing guests as well. But I do agree. We generally would be travelling quite a bit more. So you're on the road, you're trying to kill time... So you listen to podcasts to try and kill that time. But now when I drive to work, you know, a 10 minute drive, I don't, there's not enough time to really get into the podcast. Yeah, it takes exactly. me like three days to get through our own podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that's because we tend to make them go for way too long. I, I, when I say uh, we're the best, I was, uh, it was kind of a bit tongue in cheek because there are a couple of really good ones. No, you've um, got to think here. we're the best. That, that's the mentality. Yes. Okay. But um, there are a couple of really good ones, and uh, I do like the diversity of Australian motorsport podcasts mm. that, that we have. So yep. I'd but like to see more of them, but, but we are consistent as well. This is episode 19 of Parked Up, mm. and it's we have not missed a week. Oh. We started it on publishing on Sundays. Now we publish every Tuesday morning, mm -hmm. and we have not missed one week. Yeah. We are relentless. We are relentless, but... I think that's enough about you know, beating our own horn, man. Oh. I don't think people really care. I don't beat right. beat a horn. That's not a thing. Oh, hang on. You toot a horn. <laughs> all right, Grant. Well, I think that's enough beating our own drum and tooting our own horn and all that sort of stuff. Let's wrap up the show for another episode of Parked Up. Now, I'd be interested just to hear some feedback from our listeners. Yes. We're doing a lot of variety and a lot of different things on this show, and we really want to know... What works? What do you love hearing about? Uh, so we can tailor the show to suit everybody's needs. Mm, whatever you want. We will do anything. If you need us to dance, we'll do it. It's not going to look good, <laughs> especially for a podcast. We could tell you that we're dancing now, but we're, we're not. And it will be terrible. But we, do, we are keen on your feedback. Our Facebook page is the best forum for that you can also give us a bit of a rating on the apple music or spotify mm -hmm. chuck some stars at us mm -hmm. uh, write some comments 
uh, do whatever. Most of you listening might even have our phone numbers, so just send us a text or something. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Parked up podcast powered by Race Fuels, episode 18. Has 19. Come, oh, 19. <laughs> God damn it, too many numbers. <laughs> and we're moving on. We're out. Good day, good night, good luck.